This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Catch Tunch and Wolf live weekdays from 10 to noon on your 24-hour home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? In the locker room, Tunch and Wolf, the old fogies out today. Wesley Euler, Matt Williamson with you here for the next two hours on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler and at Williamson NFL. You can also jump on the phone lines today, 412-919-1316, the digits to dial. Matt, as that game was winding down last night, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, this hasn't been the most eventful game. This hasn't been the most entertaining, the most aesthetically pleasing football game. I'm trying to think, what are we going to talk about to start the show? Okay, maybe we'll go with the inept Steelers offense. That's sure. where we'll start. Talk Mason Rudolph. Yeah, yeah talk league. run game and injuries and things like sure. that. There's a couple of those. And, then all, and we will still talk oh, that stuff today. Yeah, absolutely. But then all of a sudden, uh, a, a skirmish breaks out on the field in what could become one of the defining moments, defining images of this 2019 NFL season. Uh, just a, a really ugly scene on the field there at First Energy Stadium. Yeah, I mean, as bad a thing as I've seen on a football field that I can remember, to yeah. be very honest with you. So I was talking about this with our producer, Kellen, this yeah. morning. Only thing that I can remember was like 15 years ago when there was that massive brawl between the U, between Miami and FIU. I don't know oh, if okay. you remember that. But guys were I was ta- thinking NFL, but I know you're yeah, yeah, right. But right. I, I couldn't think of anything at the NFL level that reminded me of that. Right. I mean, you, you, there might be a perfect hit or, you know, a, a bam-bam play where you say, boy, that was dirty as could be. And there's a lot of those. And, frankly, they happen a lot. I mean, like that's sure. not that crazy. Sure. sure, there's fights. There's... Gronkowski going WWE on Travis White a couple <laughs> years right. ago. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was a little out there. But this is way worse. I mean, yeah. like, just in terms of the harm it could have done to the victim. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine Miles Garrett hitting you over head with a football helmet. I mean, he would kill me. I mean, it's he. I, the, Rudolph's very lucky that he's not mm-hmm. – you know, fractured skull. I mean, in the hospital this morning. In the morning. hospital. I mean, a concussion at the minimum. I mean, it was egregious. And uh, I guess we do a kind of play by play on that one. Garrett was very late on the hit yes. and the takedown. And my and Mason looked extremely frustrated with that, and probably extremely frustrated with his evening. Just the which, evening, yeah. Which is you know understandable. He should have been. Didn't play well. Um, and they lost. And then Garrett goes bonkers, you know. I mean, just, he just snapped, just snapped, and did that. And it, it's not a good look. But I love that Pouncey and the boys hundred percent ran immediately to his to his aid. I bet you Pouncey's hand probably isn't feeling so great this morning because no. he took some real swings oh, at, at Miles Garrett's helmet. Him, right? I mean, yeah. his hand is probably a little swollen this I morning. Bet. He has another bad snap in a, ten days from now. <laughs> but for those that don't know. The Castro and especially Pouncey are the hammers in that locker room. Yes. Like, I'd fight anyone before Pouncey in that locker room. Yes. And I bet everyone in that locker room would tell you that. And he was the first one there. The kicking might cost him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll see. And then Ogan Joby comes up and blasts Rudolph at the end, That, too, too like, I think, that, has been flying under the radar. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's on, on the, TV, it's on it's on TV, TV right, right here. Now. I mean, it's crazy. It, it, it just... <sighs> 
because I mean Rudolph's on the ground, helmetless, and then Ogan Joby comes up and from from behind and, behind and just cranks him full speed. Right. Yeah, I wonder if there he could didn't be jump some... into the scrum to fight the Castro. He hit the dude with the helmet on right. from behind. Right. And that's like tenth on the list of things that went wrong. There. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and probably won't get fined. It was my hunch. I'm just kind of hesitating because we are watching it again. It's the first time I've seen it today. But I mean, he he swings as hard as he can. I mean, it's a with it's Rudolph's a wind, it's a full windmill cocked back swing right. from behind under his belt over his head, hits him in the head with the helmet. Oh, square square on that. And and when you see it from that angle right there that they just showed on TV, the kind of the backside angle from behind Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Miles, that might be the first time I saw that view. Miles Garrett should be thanking his lucky stars that it was the padded part of the helmet. You know what I mean? Like right. almost like the back neck part of the helmet where the padding is. It wasn't even like under the ear hole where that, it's harder. That's, right. that's the part of the helmet that made the most flush contact with Mason's head. If it's the side of the helmet or the crown of the helmet or the face mask of the helmet that, that makes the, the principal point of contact with Mason's dome there. <laughs> right. I mean, his, his head split open. Oh yeah, I mean he's like, he's at worst or at, or at best bleeding profusely. If you're gonna get hit over the head with a helmet by a first overall pick, yeah, type of athlete, that's the spot of the helmet. You a guy that they call the G Rex, right? right. <laughs> yeah. And who was a great, it was a dominant player in that game yeah. too. Uh, but I mean, I'm not defending Garrett at all. But his and I don't know him. I've never met him. But his reputation. Is is a very sound, level-headed, smart guy with lots of interests off the field, you know, like because it was talked about a lot when he came out, and wow, that was unbelievable. And I, I can't imagine what the ramifications are going to be. He's not going to be there when they meet again. No, no. I, I think that much is guaranteed. I- I do think a lot of people saying, oh, he's done for the rest of the season. Oh, suspend him for eight games so he misses week one of next season. Yeah, I do think. That might be a little much, uh, not 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 for the optics of it, but I mean in right. terms of of how the NFL deals out discipline. You get like if if I was you know if I was judge, jury, and executioner here, I would say all right, Miles Garrett, you're done for the rest of the year. You know that that right. that would be my however long that might be for the Browns, you're done for the rest of the year. I just you look at a lot of. The, I don't know. I don't know what to compare. It, there's to. nothing to compare it to. And but the NFL so arbitrary. And, too. The, and exactly, <laughs> oh, they're the very right. inconsistent with these things. But it took four or five lengthy suspensions before they finally dropped the hammer on Vontez Perfect. Oh, yeah. Millions Al- of dollars. I mean, he had he had a five-game suspension before this year long. He had, uh, I think, a pair of three-game suspensions before this mm-hmm. year long. And those are on-the-field things. I don't think we could talk Martavis or Gordon right. or even right. Hunt or Rice or any of those things. Albert Hainsworth got five games for stomping on a dude. Was that five? Uh, yeah, it was five. This and is I worse think, than that. I think this is worse than that. So it's much worse. I, I, it would be what I think now? Rest of the year is fair. It, that would be six more games. Yeah, six game suspension. I think rest of the year is, is fair. I, I think so too. That's that's probably where I would go. Six game suspension, rest of the season. I think Ogunobi gets nothing. No, maybe a fine. Maybe a fine or something, but I don't think. I think Pouncey too. I, I think Pouncey gets fine, but I, you think he gets suspended? Yeah. A game? I think he. They play the Browns in two weeks, right? You don't I, think he's I, part I, of that? I think they intentionally give him two so he's not there hmm. for the next one. Interesting. But not as not as stiff or anything like that with Hogan Joby. No. I mean, he might get a fine or something. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, what he did was bad and dirty, but it's small potatoes compared to this sure, stuff. Right? Sure. I mean, that happens on a lot of plays. Yeah. If you just isolate that incident. 
I mean, I don't think the Castro or any of the other linemen get anything. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I mean, Pouncey's kicking didn't look so good. Yeah. But was deserved. You know, like if that was your friend that just got hit over the, oh, head with the helmet. I don't or... think anyone's going to be right. upset with Pouncey. Any f- no, suspension right, right. or punishment that gets levied. I'm sure like Raiders fans and Chiefs fans that were watching were like, I'd be kicking them too. There you know were, what I mean? There right. were a ton of former NFL players, prominent personalities who have no tied to the Steelers yeah, right, who were right. defending. I mean, Deion Sanders was all over Twitter last night defending Pouncey. Sure. Saying he shouldn't be suspended. No, he's doing what a friend and a do, teammate should do. Right. You know, and right, that, right. that everybody, you know, you ask anybody in the locker room and, and they think Pouncey did the right thing. No mm-hmm. one's saying, oh, Marquise, you got to keep your head there. <laughs> right, 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 you know? right. He did keep his head. He did, <laughs> right, did the right thing. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know this is a football show, but it, it reminded me of hockey to some degree. Oh, like, 100%. If someone just tries to kill Crosby like, or Lemieux or, do you, you know. Do you remember Marty McSorley and Donald Brashear? Do you remember that incident? No, but. I so mean, Marty McSorley was a. Marty, I know I was, who he I is. I always right. say Marty McSorley like a swirly. <laughs> Marty McSorley. Marty McSorley, uh, he, he literally took his hockey stick. Up at his shoulder level. Oh, I do. And with two hands, just hit Brashear across. Brashear was skating away, just like he was chopping down a tree. Like he was chopping down a tree. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he was sitting in the batter's box. I mean, you know what I mean? Like tried to hit him as hard as he could. It's the batting cages, and he's taking practice swings. I mean, you have to go to things like that. Right, right, right. I mean, that's the that's the parallels. I mean, I haven't seen something on a football field that really adds up. And I mean, I know hockey's way different. You're allowed to fight in hockey, but I mean, the guy whoever came in and attacked McSorley after that <laughs> is what he should do on the ice. Yeah. I don't care if you're the smallest dude out there. Right. right. You know, crazy. You got to defend your guy, particularly in this instance, when your guy is your quarterback, right? I mean, it's Absolutely. almost like in hockey, like touching the goalie, right? Yeah, like, yeah, nobody yeah. touches my goalie. Nobody, touches, nobody touches my quarterback. 87 or 66. Or, right. You know, right. I mean, that type of thing too. And I don't want to take it this far, but the Browns and Garrett does have a good reputation before this, as I mentioned, but whenever you take all these character risks and, you know, the, the, the way you win in the league. I mean, it was, it's, it's obviously classless, but is this who the Browns are, you know, leading the league in penalties, um, just the undisciplined nature of the organization from the top, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I keep it from a football perspective, like, Man, can this organization win anything if that's who you are? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's a great point by you. And, and the Browns are the most penalized team in the NFL. I mean, they'd let the Steelers into the, the Steelers couldn't have been worse on the field. And we'll get to that, I'm right. sure. Yeah, we will. And you're right. The one touchdown that the Steelers scored was a direct result right. of Browns' penalties. We had this huge tech, text thread with me and my buds. And it was 14 nothing, And I'm like, going into the half. Mm-hmm. And I said, this isn't as awful as the Steelers are playing. This isn't over yet because Tomlin's in there making adjustments. The Browns are in there doing keg stands. <laughs> <laughs> there are, and then right the, the second half starts. It's penalty, penalty, penalty. I'm like, they're a Watt scoop and score away from tying this thing right. up or a Minka pick. You know, it's not like the offense is going to score on their own. But the Browns almost lost this game. And they were the way better team. I mean, it wasn't even – it shouldn't be competitive. Right. Like, the Steelers played that way against the, the Patriots. They would lost by 100. When it, when it was 14 to nothing at halftime, you're thinking, okay, for how the game's played out, it could have been 41 to nothing. At that at point, that, it should have been point. over. Right. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have any guys, and they were playing horrible. I mean, and the Browns still kind of let them back into it. I mean, it, I, I don't – 
it's it, they're they're four and six. They basically have to run the table to be in the playoffs, anyways. Mm-hmm. But I bet they're not that impressive two weeks from now when they see them again. Is all I'm saying. I don't think the Browns have turned the corner all of a sudden. What should happen to Miles Garrett, Marquise Pouncey, Ogan Joby? Your thoughts on the situation, the brawl at the end of the game last night? 412-919-1316. You can also tweet us at Wesley Euler at Williamson NFL. Matt Williamson, Wesley Euler in for Tunch and Wolf in the locker room on this Friday morning. We'll continue the discussion about Miles Garrett. I just got some more stuff to get into here. We'll get to your reactions as well, too, as as we continue to uh, to break through the fallout from last night's game. And we will obviously talk about the Steelers' offense and, and some X's and O's yep, yep. from last night as well, too. You are in the locker room here on a Friday on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Wesley Euler, Matt Williamson in the locker room for Tunch and Wolf on the day after the Steelers fall to the Cleveland Browns. But the X's and O's aren't the story. It's the fallout on the field at the end of the game that resulted in three players being ejected and certainly some supplemental discipline to come. Again, if you want to chime in, we got the tweets are lighting up. The phones are blowing up (laughs) on Twitter at Williamson NFL at Wesley Euler. And you can get on the phone lines 412-919-1316. Everybody chiming in here, Matt, even Antonio Brown. I chiming in on the situation pretty good, actually about just about 10 15 minutes ago he tweets this is for you mason with a picture of him when he just you know this is sparta kicked the <laughs> the browns punter at heinz field a few years ago everybody's weighing in it was pretty good antonio says here on twitter not antonio brown a different, different antonio says uh it's absolutely ridiculous that had the potential to be devastating uh. and i think that's the there's a lot of people that should be okay maybe glass half full and that yeah it was bad last night and it's something that's going to linger we're going to continue to talk about the rest of the nfl season and, and probably next year in owners meetings and things like that or to get brought up in different ways but man it it could have been even worse even worse i mean not to mention and this is irrelevant and doesn't factor in but a couple of weeks ago we see rudolph getting taken off without a face mask right and, you know what i mean like oh by the way he happens to have recent head history yeah. but it could be anybody. I mean, I don't care if you've got the hardest noggin out there. I mean, if you get hit hit over the head at that force with that object, he's very lucky that he's not in the hospital as we speak and maybe worse. You right. Know, I mean, yeah. I mean, and if that were the case, I think Miles Garrett would have been in handcuffs at some point last night or this morning. Or I guess. Yeah. I, I wonder how you feel about that. And Kellen was telling me, Kellen, you just saw, I think it was Ian Rappaport, right? Had yeah. some, some semi-breaking news in this regard. Yeah, he came on uh, Good Morning Football. I had it on during the last segment there. And he said that, honestly, the Steelers and Mason Rudolph are thinking about pressing charges against uh, Miles Garrett. I mean, it, it really was kind of assault. Like, he, he used a weapon and hit him over the head with it. If you or I did that, Wes, or you, yeah. even you, Matt, we'd be in jail right now. Oh. I mean, we really would be. No doubt. So, Ian Rappaport reporting that the Steelers and Mason Rudolph are considering pressing charges. Wow. A six-pound helmet across the noggin, which, mind you, an NFL helmet, heavier than a brick. 
Is it really? Yeah. yeah right, yeah, right, It was right. Mark Caballi from The Athletic doing the real wow. investigative journalism. NFL helmet weighs six pounds. You're I had no idea what a helmet weighed. When you said it, I'm like, oh, okay. Six pounds. Right. Your standard you know, red brick weighs five pounds. Okay. <laughs> do you think, do you put any any weight into I mean, the potential? five-pound of... bag of feathers weighs five pounds, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? That's the old, the old trick and the old riddle, right? right, right, right what right. weighs more, a pound of bricks or a pound of feathers? <laughs> exactly. Uh, they're both right. a pound. <laughs> You think that that's is that something you think should be discussed? The the potential of more charges just outside of the realm of football for Miles Garrett. I lean it's towards so, no. It's so difficult. I lean towards no. I mean, I'm trying to think like way back. Like, didn't someone charge Dino Cicerelli? Yes. For criminal charges for yes. carving somebody up with a hockey stick, basically yep. on the ice. Do you remember Todd Bertuzzi? I remember the name. I don't remember what he did. He was the Vancouver Canucks guy who Dominic Moore was a Colorado avalanche. And Dominic Moore was skating through the middle of the ice. And Todd Bertuzzi grabbed his jersey from behind, pulled him back, and cold-cocked oh, yeah, him. yeah, 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 yeah. And then when he was passed out on the ice, cold-cocked him again. Right. Like he was out on before he hit the ice. And, you know, and, right. and Todd Bertuzzi was charged criminally in that. Ended up, you know, settling out of court. But I think even that is – like, like what happened last night – it was more calculated when Todd Bertuzzi went after the guy on the ice and punched him from behind. And right. It was more calculated when you, you know, I was talking about Marty McSorley and swinging his stick at a guy from behind. This was, while again, no excuses, inexcusable, at least it wasn't premeditated. I think that's the no, difference. Right, right, I think right. that's the difference in a, a criminal charge, a criminal suit. We keep equating it to hockey because we've never seen this in football, right. really. But. It's kind of like, hey, my, my next shift, I'm going to go hurt that person. Exactly. And I'm sitting here thinking pre, about what I'm going to do. That's premeditated. That's not a reaction. And, I mean, this shouldn't matter, but if he would have hit Pouncey over the head with a helmet, someone that had a helmet on, <laughs> right. I mean, we right. wouldn't be talking about it as much. It's true. You know? I mean, obviously, I mean, he was in such a prone position I lean towards no on the criminal charges things, though. I kind of feel like whatever happens between the white lines stays in the white lines type of deal. I mean, um, I think you're opening up a can of worms there that, yeah. hey, he intentionally went for my knee on that play over the middle, or he intentionally took Deontay's Johnson's, you know, right. headshot. Right. You know, right. It wasn't the only headshot of the game, yeah. by the way. Um, we'll get to all that. <laughs> right, right. So I kind of lean towards no. I, I think that's a football thing and it's an NFL thing that they need to deal with, not the criminal charges. Yeah, I agree with you. I, again, I, I think there's a real difference between just a, a premeditated attack and what we saw last night. Right. While, while, while it's disgusting, while there's no excuse for it, while there should be heavy supplemental discipline, mm -hmm. I'm with you in the sense of it's tough to parse what happens in between the white lines. and, and Yes. Yeah. I mean, if we were walking through criminal. Dick's and I grabbed the football helmet and smashed some dude over the head with it, <laughs> Then I should get some. There should be some charges, but in that instance, I don't think so. Let's go to the phone lines here for some reaction, Matt. Four one two nine one nine one three one six. Let's go to Juan in South Carolina. What's happening, Juan? Hey, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? I'm good, buddy. How about you? I'm doing good. Can't complain, even though we lost the game. I just want to say that um, I think Garrett should be sus uh, suspended for the rest of the year. And everybody want to talk about Everybody see why there's a lot of respect between Baltimore and the Steelers when it comes to our rivalry. Because we don't do the stupid stuff like Cleveland 
in Cincinnati. This game reminded me of the playoff game against Cincinnati with Burfick and guys because Cleveland was taking headshots at everybody. Yeah, no, that's a good point by you, Juan. I, I, there's a there's a real difference between what we saw last night, what we saw at times with Vontez Perfect, mm-hmm. and just the Armageddon battles that were Steelers-Ravens. I, I think it's pretty clear that Steelers Ravens, there's a, a, a an immense respect factor there between the two organizations, sure. where it feels like the Browns and the Bengals are kind of always trying to punch up. You know, they're the little brother, they're the division. And yes, the Bengals had some years where they won the division and where they won double digit games and had some sure. good years. Everybody has good years, but for the most part, those two teams have you know they've been decades without playoff wins. They've been the the punching bag, while the Ravens and the Steelers have this century won multiple Super Bowls and had Super Bowl multiple Super Bowl appearances. Mm-hmm. It is a good point. I think there's it is there's there's a grudge there amongst those organizations. I think when they see the black and gold, when they see the purple. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you said that well. Like, it wasn't like the Raven Steelers matchups weren't physical or didn't have dirty you saw Ryan plays. Clark right. <laughs> lay out McGinnis at midfield. Oh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of dirty plays too. Yeah, but I think, and there's maybe even D Patriot. I mean, I don't know, but I. Th- I think there was absolute respect starting at ownership to coaches, yes. yeah. you know, like on dra- I say this all the time, like on draft day, if, if you think the Steelers are torn between two dudes and they take one, I'm like, Oh, the other guys would be a Raven, you know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, who's going to end up in different organizations. There's a lot of similarities. They've both been highly successful, stable coaches, good ownership, and if you're ranking, you know, this is just taking a step back. And if you're ranking the 32 organizations in terms of their program, you know, like history, wins and losses, the way they go about their business, the Steelers and the Ravens are top five, yes. maybe top three, yeah, you know, top 10 for sure. Oh, without a doubt. The two teams in Ohio are bottom five. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in terms of yeah. if you're the hot new coach, you want to go take the Bengals job? You want the Browns job? You know, like, Washington's in that conversation. Like, there's bad organizations in any— The Jets. Yeah, right. There's bad organizations, and these two have been two of the absolute worst, even more than just saying your win-loss records. But it's also not an accident that when it starts from the top that the win-losses are a problem, too. And to just give a small example, that year I was with the Browns, when we sat down for every draft meeting, and it was a new staff at that point, you know, Phil Savage and Romeo had taken over. Phil started every meeting with a prayer, which fine, and then said, "What do we? What can we do today to beat the Steelers?" That's how we started every draft meeting. <laughs> so it's not it surprising. hasn't changed much, right? It, it, I mean, they they showed this stat on television last night during the game. So since. 69, when Chuck Knoll took over as the Steelers head coach. Mm-hmm. Steelers had three head coaches. Right. That's the fewest of uh, of any football team, and I believe they said the fewest of any of the major four professional sports in the United Masters. States. Masters. Since that same time. It's my whole lifetime, we've had three. The, yeah. I mean, since the Beatles were on tour. They, they, right, right. The Beatles were still on tour, and they've had three yeah. coaches. They were new. Yeah. Like, yeah. the Beatles had just gone on Sullivan. Right. <laughs> uh, in that time, the Browns have had 16 or 17, and that's tied for the most with the Bills in the National Football League, and I believe tied for the most, again, of any of the major four American sports franchises. It's it's just it's night and day difference. My 12-year-old was sitting next to me when that came on, and he's like, boy, I thought the Browns would have had more. 
You know, because recently <laughs> it's been fat. It's been even quicker. That's true. I mean, they've had three in two years. You know, like yeah, there was actually a stretch of there, and I'm like, son, there was years there wasn't even a Cleveland Brown organization in the league. Right. And so that's what play, that that's point, probably right? what plays into it. But yeah, they didn't have a head coach. I mean, for a while, you know, but there was a stretch where they actually had a little bit of stability. I mean, but if you're a 12 year old, you see a new coach every year. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. No, he's every time he's uh, changing grades, moving up a, a right. classroom. Well, the Browns are getting a new guy. head coach. Right. And it might happen again this year. Four one two nine one nine thirteen sixteen. Also on Twitter at Williamson NFL at Wesley Euler. Let's go to Connecticut. Nick wants to talk about last night's incident. What you got for us, Nick? Hey guys, how you doing? We're good. good. We're good. Thanks for calling. I was about to go to bed last night. I was about <laughs> after after. You know, after a terrible game, it was like eight seconds left. I'm literally up, about to turn off the TV, and this whole thing, you know, goes down. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. You got, you guys think DeCastro's okay? That's I do. I mean, maybe I should focus on him the next time that they show it yeah. and see how dirty he was because there were so much other things to look at. Right. Maybe he was worse than I thought. I thought he was like the peacemaker, you know? He was trying to. Yeah, kind it kind of just seemed like he just stuff, pinned but... Garrett to the ground, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I didn't see him right. swinging. Yeah. Uh, but I'd have to look again. I, he, didn't, I bet he's safe. Some people on Twitter are talking about punches, and I, I didn't see him do anything. I think Mar- Marquise is probably. I mean, honestly, I think it's the kick. Yes. I do too. You know, yes. Even though it looked you know? like he didn't really make contact, it's no, still I, I, the you, optics I mean, of it. Action, you know there's a mean? guy on the ground and you're kicking there's at a guy him on the violently. Ground. I mean, obviously he's kicking him with his foot on his helmet. He's not going to do anything, you know, because yeah. it's, he's right. got pads on and the helmet. But I bet so. Pouncey gets two games. Yeah. Just probably. to keep it probably so because the Browns are on the yeah. Yep. Instead of maybe he deserves one but considering they, the yeah, circumstances. That's a good call by you. I think he gets two. Nick, there is just there is just so much to unpack from last night. As just a lot that went on in this game and it was a winnable game, which is crazy considering how much I mean, it felt like it was like fifty to nothing and you look up it was fourteen yeah. to nothing and then fourteen to seven and we had a ton of chances, but and I know nobody's even gone over this yet. And Matt, maybe you guys look at the film or whatever later. Could just somebody address the like the sixty-five deep throws to Johnny Holton? And I love Johnny Holton, and he's a great <laughs> we could special definitely teamer. Die with that, you know what I'm saying? He, he is terrific on specials. But he, I think he had his first catch last night, and every ball was like a fly pattern. And I'm not saying, you know, there was one that you know, maybe he should have come down with, and, you know, the pass interference one was a big play. But, I mean, just at some point, just don't forget about that. You know, that's yeah, you're all right. I'm asking. No, it's, it's a great point yeah. by you, Nick, and thank you for the call. <laughs> yeah. They, it's been making me crazy all year. I know it's been making you crazy all year. Because I... they try it twice a game, mm-hmm. and he never comes down with one. And mm-hmm. every time you can be like, well, this guy got a finger in, or the throw was. Oh, and he off, almost made the almost catch. Play, yeah, like, close only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades, <laughs> right. right? I mean, if it's Randy Moss, he catches every one of them. Yeah, <laughs> and he's still running. You know what I mean? Like, if it's Martavis Bryant, he probably catches right, right. 60, 70 percent of them. I mean, I've had people ask me just last night on Twitter, "Is Holton the new Hayward Bay?" And I'm like. Kinda. He's good on special teams. He runs real again, fast in a straight line and doesn't catch anything. Uh, but I think at least Hayward Bay offered you more in the re- receiving department. A little bit more. He offered more in the receiving department, and he was the veteran leader keeping A.B. and Juju. And, you know, he was the leader in the right. receiver room where, 
I mean, this has been a problem all year. Juju's your leader, and he's 22. I mean, I don't want to tell people what I was doing at 22 years old or my yeah, level me, of maturity. You yeah, know me I mean? either. And, you know, not to mention when after the injuries. Last night, I don't blame it so much because they had nothing. You know, it was – I felt it was Flacco throwing to Torrey Smith. Try to get, go get a P.I., Johnny, because that's all we can do because we have nothing left in the in the tank. We have no receivers. But if everyone's healthy, I don't want to see that play ever again because we see it over and over and over, and it never works. Yeah, we got we got a lot of questions on Twitter about the wide receivers. That's something we'll get into when we come oh. back. And we should almost go position by position yes. on offense. Yes, because they all have a long. I could write a, a long article on every one of them. You know what I mean? You ain't lying. We'll continue with your reaction as well, too. Again, 412-919-1316. Stay on the phone lines. We see you there. They're lighting up. We will get to you. You can also tweet us at Williamson NFL and at Wesley Euler. The reaction to last night's game in Cleveland against the Brownies continues when we come back here on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. Another guy who we're getting a lot of questions about here on Twitter. David's asked about him. Mark's asked about him. Michael's asked about him. Is Freddie Kitchens. And that he deserves some blame in this for some of the culture that he's fostered there in Cleveland. I started to get into this in the first segment with you a little bit, Matt. Brown's most penalized team in the NFL. Yes. In terms of just pure flags thrown. Right, right, right. Most penalty yard team in the NFL with the most penalty yards against them. So Mm -hmm. number of infractions and yards in the infraction as well. They've got the most player ejections in the National Football League. Now, I didn't know that. Last night after two of their guys. Oh, that helps, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that helps. But so most penalized team in the NFL in terms of infractions, most penalized team in the NFL in terms of yards, and the team with the most player ejections. How much of that blame do you put on Kitchens? A fair amount because I'm going to nerd it up football-wise. Like, if you watch their tape, I didn't look at them and say, boy, this is a dirty team. And I know there was multiple other headshots. Sure. So, and we'll talk about those two. But I thought it was an undisciplined team hmm. in terms of, yes, and it's more than just penalties. You know, if a guy jumps off sides, is that Freddie Kitchens' fault? Which we fire Freddie Kitchens because a tackle flinched or something. So I always have mixed feelings about that. But in terms of situational football, time management, um, disciplined football, knowing where to go. You know, should he should he duck out of bounds at this point, or when they fumble and when they put the ball in harm's way, things like that, they were at the bottom of the league. You yeah. know, because they got players, right? But they're not playing as a team. They're not complementing one another. They're an undisciplined football team. Does is he out there telling people to be dirty and hurt people? Right. I don't, I don't think, think he's so. Greg Williams. No, right. I don't think that, you know, Garrett gets a million-dollar bonus for that or anything. Right, right. I mean, they got I don't some think... bounty gate stuff going on. Right. I mean, I mentioned Garrett came in the league consider Maybe he's the worst human being in the world. I don't know. But his reputation was as a strong, smart, upstanding young man. And maybe you're just in an environment now where more of that stuff's tolerated or encouraged you know, bad breeds bad in a way. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you keep bringing in Kareem Hunt and sure. Callaway and all these dudes, and um, you start to fit in, and it rubs off on you. I, I don't know. 
but I do know that it's a poor organization, an undisciplined football team, a football coach that looks like he's been well over his head yeah. every step of the way this year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but there was a, a video that was circulating last night on Twitter, and it was right. It was the first question, I think, of the presser. Someone asked Freddie Kitchens if his team was out of control. And the first thing he said wasn't about the Miles Garrett thing at all. It was helmet to helmet hits happen every week. That kind of wow. goes to your point, mm. Matt, that he just seems like he's over his head. Yeah. Uh, he, Not I grasping think he, the situation. Right, exactly. Like, you don't catch the news here, Freddie. I mean, there's a big deal going on. It's basically all we've talked about for an hour yeah. now. Almost, yeah. And there's a That's lot all of anybody to wants about. to talk about. Right. I, I mean, mean of, of the of the 15 tweets we've gotten so far, maybe more on this show, I think only two or three have been about the actual X's and O's. I bet. <laughs> and in a way, Mason's like, wow, the heat's off. Yeah. Everyone feels bad for him as opposed yeah. to wanting to I get, mean, put in, Duck in or kill the guy in, for in, not playing in, well. You know? In 15 seconds, in 30 seconds last night, the narrative, what we're talking about, the fallout, the reaction from this game just completely transitioned. Yeah, quick question for you. Let's say they were playing the Bears. Okay. Or some NFC random team. Mm -hmm. Would it have been as big a deal? As opposed to mm, wow, it's a, a good, rival. Ooh, that's a good question yeah, there, Matt. They were the Vegas favorites, you know. Yeah. Particularly a rival, right, that it feels like you've always kind of punched down at right. for, for years and years and maybe has that chip on their shoulder against you. Right. And they do. Oh, absolutely. No, that's a good point by you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the reaction would be different. I mean, they'd still be talking about it on Good Morning Football. And right, it was an right. egregious oh, yeah. thing. But would it be... As much as big a deal to Steeler fans. If, if it, was it was Roquan Smith. Right, right. Just someone dude you see every four years that lost his temper, that lost his mind. I bet, it, I bet not. That's a good point by you. And I think, too, if we hadn't seen Juju get knocked out, if we hadn't seen Deontay Johnson right. get knocked out, uh, Kay Bell here on Twitter says, I think we need to be talking about their defense as a whole, not just Garrett. They were headhunting the entire game. Uh, she counts six hits to the head, including the ones on Juju and Deontay, and only two flags were thrown, another officiating failure. Uh, well, the Deontay one was horrible. It was. I mean, it was. I mean, he's bleeding from his ear on the sideline. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was a. That, that <laughs> you want was, to talk about optics of a situation. That was the worst optics yeah. until the worst optics you've yeah, ever seen. Right. And that's mo most games, that's about. the worst optics, yeah. right. But I will give Greedy credit. He ran over to Tomlin and apologized. Did you catch that? I did. And, I, I did. Mean, and it, 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 that was a bad hit. I don't know that it was intentional. It was a bad hit that's going to get a fine and deserved when, every bit. When of they start to stack them, they seem worse and worse, right? If that's the if that's the only questionable hit or moment in the game, right? We, we might mention it over the two but hours. But when it's compounded here, right. with Juju and what we saw at the end of the game, and sure, yeah. And then the Juju play, Rudolph got hit also in the head in the same play, right? Um, are they? Whenever I previewed this game on Friday, or on Wednesday, I guess it was, how can the Steelers lose this? And I said, well, this is a dangerous animal backed into a corner that has a lot of ability. That That's this had is this their game Super circled Bowl. on their yeah. schedule since this is their Super the Bowl. summertime. They need it more. And so did they play more aggressive than the Steelers? Yes. Particularly early, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Steelers look like a tired Thursday night mm -hmm. you know, traveling team mm -hmm. to me, but... Side note: I mean, if the if the NFL serious about player safety, they wouldn't have Thursday night games, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, it's just point point blank period. Right. Yeah. If they really were that worried about player safety, there would not be Thursday night games. But I don't know that this was a perfect like 
performance from the defense trying to injure Steelers left and right. I think that's that it was it perfect and Pac-Man yeah. Jones out there. Right. And, yeah. I think that might be taking it a little too far. Uh, Steel Nation, interesting on Twitter, wondering how if it, if we think everything would have played out the exact same way last night if Ben was in there instead of Mason. Well, I think they have a chance to win. Uh, in terms, I think he means at the end of the game. Like if they're if, swinging that Ben. If, and, if, yeah. if, if Ben's as frustrated as Mason, if Garrett's as willing to go after you know Ben as he was to go after Mason. That's a good question because I actually thought about that, okay, the Browns are winning this game. Are they trying to send a message to Rudolph for the next 12 years? Because you're the next guy in line. Fear us. We just beat your butt figuratively and literally. You know, and, if, and if you're going to be the Steelers quarterback for the next decade, this is what you got deal coming. With. This is yeah. what, yeah, this is what you got to look forward to twice a year. I mean, is that also true for Deontay Johnson and the young receivers that, hey, we're winning this game and we're going to let you know about it that, you know, there's a new sheriff in town. I kind of got a little bit of that feel. Maybe mm. it wouldn't have been the case if it was Ben or Bettis or, you know, I mean, older dudes. I like uh, That's a good point by you. I like that. Let's go back to the phone lines here. Oh, get real some, quick question for yeah, you. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Remember the, the scenario I threw out there, like pretend it's the Bears. What if the Steelers were up 30-3 to three at the time and nobody had gotten hurt and they rolled over the Browns and Garrett just lost his mind, frustrated, losing? Then I think the, the reaction today is even more intense and Garrett's yeah. punishment would be even more because right. it would be viewed as a premeditated, a frustrated— Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of minutia that plays in this, Matt, <laughs> certainly. Let's go back to the phone lines here. Jonathan in Virginia, he's been waiting for a while. Thanks for hanging with us, Jonathan. What you got? Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, morning. what's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How about you? What you got? Jonathan, we got uh, you there. So real quick, I want to talk about Mason, the player, but first. Yeah, go ahead. Big... You got me. Yep. I'm sorry. Um, real quick, I want to talk about Mason, the player, but first, um, it's unreal how many people I've seen this morning trying to put blame on Mason for what happened at the end of the game last night. And I've seen that. It's crazy. They were talking about that on first take this morning. Yeah, it's a great point by you, Jonathan. Yeah, so but when it comes to Mason, the player, you know, he's getting roasted all game, every game, everybody yelling for Duck to come in, and I just – I'm just like, you know, this guy gets no support around him. I mean, there's injuries, there's drops. Last night was horrible blocking. He has no run game. You know, I'm not saying he could be a, a franchise quarterback, but I don't think he'd be, he would be capable if he had a little more help around him. Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly hasn't had a ton of help from his receivers. The offensive no. line was not good last night. The run game has been inconsistent at best. It's It's been really hard for – the head injuries and what happened against Baltimore. It's been really hard to evaluate Mason's performance this season. There's been so many moving parts. There there has. And it makes you appreciate Ben. It makes you makes too many people compare him to Roethlisberger, which sure. isn't fair. I mean, compare him to Baker, compare him to Darnold, compare him to uh, Danny Dimes in, in New Your York. Your favorite I mean, nickname. Like, all those guys that have had a lot of things go wrong around them have had really bad years, you know, and they were drafted ahead of him. They have more talent than him. Um, remember last week, I think you and I had this conversation. I know Dale and I did a lot. I often called Jared Goff a fair-weathered quarterback, and what I mean by that is 
yes, the weather and the outside conditions, but the pocket needs to be good. You have to have a running game. And when things are good, he carves you up. When things are bad and the weather's not so great, he we saw what happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And when they draft, and I thought, I don't want to compare him directly to Goff, but I think there's some similarities stylistically between Mason and yeah. Goff that he needs a running game. He needs help, even if he, even if it's six years from now and he's starting for this team or another team. He's not going to ever be a put-you-on-your-shoulders quarterback, I'll take you home. Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean, I, I always call it a you know the, the truck and trailer analogy. You're either the thing pulling, or you're the, the trailer, or you're the truck you know carrying I it. I like that. And Aaron Rodgers is a locomotive. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ben's been close to a locomotive. You know what I mean? And Rudolph's going to be a, a trailer. I mean, no matter what, even if he hits completely, unless he turns into Tom Brady pre-snap and those type of you know, total – Master and last night they needed him to be a locomotive, and there was and with a so much weight on his back on the you know the the truck the the, the cars he's carrying it was an impossible situation. He was horrible though. I yeah. mean, it was really yeah. bad. But I thought before last night he was gradually getting better each game. I did too, and I think that's part of what makes the performance last night from him. And again, the wide receivers, the running backs, the offensive line, that entire offense frustrating. Let's get more we'll into that more yeah, yeah, when we return because we've gotten a bunch of questions on Twitter about Mason's performance, about the wide receivers, if the Steelers should potentially work out any free agents in that department, particularly now with the injuries. Let's get into that in the second hour, and you know we'll continue with your reactions as well. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Williamson NFL, and the phone line still burning up, 412-919-1316. One hour in the books, another hour to go as we react to the Steelers-Brownies game last night in Cleveland. Matt Williamson, Wesley Euler in for Tunch and Wolf in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio. This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio. Good morning, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Wesley Euler and Matt Williamson with you here in the locker room for Tunch and Wolf. Hour 2, 412-919-1316. Those are the digits to dial as the phone lines continue to light up. We will get to your reaction about last night. Everything on the table. Miles Garrett and Marquise Pouncey and Mason Rudolph and wide receivers and the offense and Freddie Kitchens. We've hit on it all, and we will continue to do so in the second hour here as we we get some questions on Twitter, Matt, about when will suspensions and fines be announced. It, it could yeah, be today. It'll, they drag their feet. They drag their feet. It could be today. It could be Monday. It could right. be over the weekend. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's a timetable or you know when exactly we'll get it. If I were them, I would get on it quickly, though, yes. while this is super topical. Because it'll, be, it'll just linger the longer, you know what I mean? Right. And then Sunday there's 10 other games. You know, like – this is the first game of week 11. I think you need to jump on this soon because it's all anyone's – I mean, the NFL Network's on. It's all we've seen all morning. Right, you know I mean? and crazy. you'll get to – you know, you'll get to uh, the games on Sunday, and that'll right. still be oh, – what's the be... fine going to be? What's the suspension going to be? Yeah, and then people start watching, you know, the other teams and forgetting about it. But I think it needs addressed now. And I think so. we have some – there's a number, right? There's yeah. been a number floated out there now for the official over-under for Miles Garrett game amount game suspension. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my best buds, AJ, just texted me to do this saying, in Vegas right now, a line just came out for 
how many games will Garrett be suspended for? So over five and a half is minus 500. Okay. What's under five and a half? Under five and a half is plus 300. I would agree. So I think that's the I think that's the right over under. Yes, but it's weighted very heavily, obviously. Yeah, and I again I said this in the first segment. I think six games is the kicker because that would be the rest of the season. The rest of the season, and that'd be one more game than Albert Hainsworth, which is you know outside of Vontez Perfect's accumulation suspension this year. Yes, that's five games is the most ever levied to a player, you know, based off of one incident. Yeah, I, I to me, if I was the commissioner. I would say you're done for the year. Come back next year, son. You know, even if the Browns make the playoffs, you would include that in there as well, too, or just you're done mm, for the rest of the I just regular they season. Wouldn't. Um, yeah, because I mean, I'm not. I'm assuming the Browns still don't make the playoffs. But yeah, but I guess I it's, think that's it's something that would have to be that, in the letter of the law now. Especially if they don't Miles Garrett, they're not going to make the playoffs. But right, <laughs> he was true. pretty good last night. Um, I think I'd just say at the end of the year, you're not playing again. Period. Until the 2020 season. I think so yeah. too. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Williamson NFL. Again, on the phone lines, 412-919-1360. We got a lot of questions on Twitter about the wide receivers. Matt. Okay. Uh, thrash Metal Guy, do you see the Steelers signing a free agent wide receiver or two with all the injuries at the position? And Switzer already on IR. Rebecca saying, um, <laughs> who the heck do we have to play on offense? Uh, I'm concerned. Usman asking here as well, too about if we see Pittsburgh potentially going after any free agents at wideout or running back with Switzer already on IR and Dante Moncrief out of the picture and now mm -hmm. Juju and Deontay Johnson both seemingly dealing with concussion issues. Sure seems that way, right. And you've got the long week this week, but we know how head injuries are the in, long in week the running really back helps. situation too. Right. Let's talk receivers first, yep. I guess. The long week really helps for concussion protocol because – it, it's a six-step process. Mm -hmm. I don't know it off the back of my hand, but, but but we went through it, and Dale and I, on the drive with Rudolph, and it takes time. So having a little extra time certainly will help, but you got to think, I mean, are both those guys going to be back? I mean, my hunch is no. Probably not. I mean, Juju was ruled out immediately. I guess Deontay, they, neither one looked yeah. good. I mean, yeah. it was, uh, it could be many weeks. Who's to say? But if they're 100% healthy, Juju's your one. I like what Washington's done lately. I stepping do too. up. Arrows pointed up. Yes, I, I think I, I believe that now. Where I used to just hope it. Right. I'm very fond of John of Deontay Johnson. I, I mean, I think he's I going too. to be a really good player in this league. And I, I know agree. people won't hear like hearing this, but if we get together 365 days from now. I think we might be talking about Juju as the two and Johnson as the one. Wow. I mean, so like I think that's potentially who he becomes. Hmm. And even last night uh, before his injury, I thought, well, here's a chance, youngster. Throw it to him over and over and over and see what you got. And if it goes bad, so what? But he's your only playmaker left. Switzer, to me, really isn't an NFL player. So I agree. I, I kind of thought he was addition by subtraction. Yeah. <laughs> but the other guys aren't either. Uh, I mean, Holton, we talked about him earlier. It's if, if everything goes well, he's Hayward Bay. And he's a long way from that at this point of the, of the, of the situation. Um, what's who's the other one out there? Uh, wide receivers, yeah. Uh, right. Tevin Jones, Tevin Jones. I, want, I always want to say Tevin Bush because that was an old WVU wide receiver, Tevin Jones. And good for him, bring him back to camp next year. But he's not an NFL player either right now, right? And I really thought I've only seen it once, so I don't know this is a fact. But he he ran a, an in route that if when Mason threw it. 
he was throwing to a spot, and this guy drifted like three yards deeper than he should have instead of breaking it off quick, and that was not on Mason Rudolph. It was a, I don't remember which interception it was. Again, I have to watch it again. But, again, it goes back to your point. It's hard to evaluate Rudolph when these guys – So many moving parts. I mean, I felt like watching the fourth quarter, these receivers aren't NFL players. They don't even know where to line up let alone the routes or the chemistry. Like, sometimes they'd walk around line scrimmage, like, where do I line up? Right. What am I doing again? Right. You know, and you're trying to come from behind. A lot behind of pre-snap the... movement. It was crazy. I mean, like, they're – so if <laughs> – they, they need to find a veteran, and probably no matter what. I don't know who those names are. That's going to be really slim Des pickings. Des Bryant. Not Des Bryant. Uh, it's going to be slim pickings, but – they could certainly use at least an NFL receiver that's past his prime. Yeah. I, I mean, hey, I think Eli Rogers is still available out there. Fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's better than what the, they could have killed for Eli Rogers last, last night. night. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't think he was worth making the team at the time either. You know, so it it was horrific. And again, Rudolph had to play hero ball. Was he good? No. But he had no chance of success. And particularly with the running back situation, too, I think, right? Well, yeah. let's talk about that. That one might be worse. Might be worse. Yeah, it might be worse. And I said after the Rams game, I really felt like the Steelers did not have an NFL caliber ball carrier in that game. That a lot of yards were left on the field that Connor would have got eight when they got four. Or, you know, it's not always as noticeable, but like. Couldn't make a guy miss. Hit the wrong hole. A two-yard gain could have been a 12-yard gain. Yeah, right. I mean, and a real good back might have taken it to the house. You know what I mean? And I thought that even more so last night. And that includes Jalen Samuels. To me, Jalen Samuels is a big receiver that you can hand the ball to here and there. He's not a running back. The other guys don't belong in the league and don't know what they're doing and that too. But the huge thing about the running back position, you and I were talking about this off the air, that cripples this team when Connor's out, is they're not any good in protection. Like, that doesn't seem like that big a deal. It's a and huge deal. It's a huge deal. Particularly and when you've got a guy like Mason who's only had, what, six starts in the National Football League? Right. And his offensive line hasn't been great lately. No, no, it hasn't been great. And, you know, Jalen Samuels, if he's out, he has a role on this team. But if he's out there, he should be going out for passes. And I remember, like, when he sat down with us in rookie minicamp, he, you know, we've, I think Dale asked him, you know, where, where are you in protection right now? He's like, I've never passed protect in my life. Yes. He <laughs> said college, when he was at right. NC State, never once. Why would I? If I'd we were throwing the ball, I was running. <laughs> right. So yeah. he's in his second year and still isn't good at it, but at least he's learning. Benny Snell was bad at it, and he's getting better at it, so maybe that's helpful. Connor's good in protection. But where I'm going with this is, okay, why is it that big a deal, Williamson? You're harping on this protection thing. I used to say Quan Barkley uh, analogy to you. Mm -hmm. Right now, Barkley is really hurting the Giants because of his protection. He's the best running back prospect I've ever seen. But when he's in the game, they blitz him. They make him stay in, make him identify, stay in the box. identify yeah. a blitzer, and pick him up. And he's not doing it. And the guys last night didn't know who to block. They couldn't stand up to blitz. You know, Joe Schobert flying through. They had no chance. No chance. I mean, backs on backers. Backers won every time. And this is kind of like common knowledge in the scouting world now. Like, if you're evaluating running backs, these three things, number one, importance, protection. Number mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Number two. Receiving. Receiving skill. <laughs> number three is your ability as a running back, as a runner. Right. You know? And ball security might be ahead of that. You know, so they don't do 
they offer nothing at that position. I mean, ideally, to get your best players on the field, even with injuries, they would have played without a running back. But then the whole world knows you're not going to run the ball. You know, like they were they were crippled. I, I, I don't know how they could have played offense any differently. Me either. And that's right. why, again, to bring this all full circle, right, all these things go hand in hand and make it even more difficult to evaluate what we've seen from Mason, Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and go no, win the game. No one thinks you can run the ball at all. With your two best wide receivers knocked out of the game. <laughs> Big Al's getting killed by the defensive player of the year. On roller skates. Your backs aren't helping. They might as well not even be on the field. And your, run, your receivers don't even know where to line up. You know. And by the way, you've gotten next to nothing from your tight ends so far this season. Yeah, and they got a block too because <laughs> right. you know, how, how are you going to help Al? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's so much to and go Rudolph through. And Rudolph was horrible, but, I mean, to, to blame him is crazy. 412-919-1316. Let's go back to the phone lines. Talk to Paul down in Wheeling. He's been waiting for a while. What's happening, Paul? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course. What you got for us? Hey, uh, you know, this has been quite a rivalry for some time. And, of course, the Browns seem to take this a little tougher in most recent years because of the Steelers being so successful. Sure. Uh, so I think I think it gets amped up for them more so to play the Steelers. No and doubt. I'm not saying they're headhunting, but I but I really think that there was an angst oh, of yeah. putting a stamp, so to speak, on the game. I think that's a good uh, way to put it, Paul. Yeah, it, it's listen it. It wouldn't have mattered if the Browns were three and six last night, if they were six and three. That right. was the game they circled at the beginning of the schedule. People, Browns fans. Browns Nation, they took Thursday and Friday off work to go mm-hmm. to that game last night, to tailgate all day, to finally watch their team beat the Steelers. for National the, TV, everyone's for, watching. For the first time in five years. You know, I do think the record battered, though, too, because they're starting to look a little yeah. better. True. There's hope again. True. They have to get this win. And, yeah. and, again, I was asked, how can the Browns be three-point favorites in this game? I'm like, I, I don't know, I but I know Vegas knows more than me. Yeah. And my only yeah. thought was they just need it more. They're going to be desperate, more aggressive. Short week on the road is a horrible situation for anyone to play in, even if it's only a two-and-a-half-hour bus ride. Um, and it showed. They, they, they were more aggressive. Well, and I, thought, I also believe it kind of upped the ante. I mean, if this was a Sunday 1 o'clock game, it would still have its uh, 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 rivalry. But I think the fact that the success that Steelers get on on a on a evening game, especially when you're talking about uh, a nationally televised, uh, that I think adds fuel to the fire. Sure. And I think that uh, those guys, uh, like I said, I, I'm not saying they were headhunting, but the fact, or even targeting, I'm just saying that they're up for it. Everyone wants yeah. this. This is their Super Bowl, and they just overhit. And that's what happens. And one more thing before I go, because I do want to mention uh, the uh, the uh, the hit or the the, the melee. Uh, I heard Mason Rudolph say something about uh, he says sack. I'm hearing sack on TV. I mean, I don't think that. First of all, I don't think that wasn't really considered sack, was it? Not. I mean, the ball was out. And as a late hit, you know, when you look at the play. When you look at that play, he, there is no way when he's bringing Mason to the ground. I mean, there is no way that he's letting up in any form or fashion. I mean, there's no penalty there. Uh, I know it's only eight seconds, but that's still uh, in a play. 
Uh, I think you're I right. If that happens we in the first quarter, it's a late hit on much. the quarterback. Exactly. Yeah, but I, but I, and you probably realize it seemed like when it was, they got flagged crazy there for a while, and then it seemed like it, like you guys were saying earlier, turned into a hockey game, like the whistles <laughs> were put away for a second. And it was like, oh, third period, just put the whistles away and uh, just put the flags away. And uh, but he looked like he, and I think that's where it all went down. I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I commend Mason for defending himself and Pouncey for defending him. Uh, he, he, he basically body slammed him to the ground, and there's no penalty there. And I don't, I don't know, but uh, you guys are awesome, and thank you. Thanks for the call, Paul. We appreciate it. Yeah, I think he makes a good point, and this is a Browns team. I know you've said this before. They normally play 15 games a year at 1 o'clock on Sundays. Right. And they get the the C team, you know, Fox crew or CBS crew or whoever's calling their game. They had been waiting for last night, and it's the Steelers, Mm -hmm. and it's the only show in the NFL on Thursday night, and it's in prime time, and it's they're playing for their season, and the Steelers have won four games in a row, and you haven't beaten this team since 2014 – yeah, I, I don't think the Browns came into the game with bounty gate type things on anybody's head, but they no. wanted to be physical. They wanted to be the hammer. They wanted to show out on national television. Sure, and I have no problems with those things. Yeah. I, I, mean, I really don't. I mean, Joe Schobert was the only player in that uniform that had ever beaten the Steelers. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, Kirksey's the other one on the roster, and he's on the IR. I mean, they've never, never, I mean, it's, it's, you have to establish yourself in some way against the better team. And they, they probably look at the Steelers like they're finally weak and we can do it. And, and they were right. They were the better team last night. We will continue with your reaction when we return. Matt Williamson, Wesley Euler in for Tunch and Wolf on this day after uh, a pretty uneventful game last night, I'd say, Matt. Nothing to talk about. (laughs) 412-919-1316 on Twitter at Williamson NFL at Wesley Euler. You are in the locker room here on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. I'll keep my thoughts to myself. You guys saw what happened at the end. You got no comment about it? That's exactly what I said. I got no comment. Have you ever seen anything like that at the end of a game? No more questions regarding that, because I'm saying You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. Mike Tomlin there talking about not talking about the fight last night in the postgame. Matt, it has been... Like, when we're sitting at OTAs, you know, down on the south side in June and July, when, when you and I are out the combine in Indianapolis in February, when we're at... Steelers training camp out in Latrobe in July and August. Like, we're going to look back and be like, man, what a weird year. Absolutely. Like, what a weird year. You lose your franchise quarterback two weeks into the season. The whole thing that happened with Mason Rudolph getting knocked out and Duck coming in. You had a game where the Steelers won a coin toss in overtime and deferred. You had a game where the Steelers ran the Wildcat. You have this brawl in Cleveland. I mean, just so much that has happened. The loss of Daryl Drake before the season even started. Sure. So many things that have happened to this football team this year. The Rudolph-Seattle concussion. I mean, that would be the biggest story most years. Right, right. Right. I mean, there, there's just been so much that has happened with this football team. I wonder if what happened last night, and you could tell me if I'm crazy here, if I'm just reaching, 
could potentially be a galvanizing moment for this team. Like, yes, they're yeah. beat down in the injury department, and, and you can always be as good as your weapons that you have out there, but you, you've got the Bengals next week, hopefully time to kind of lick your wounds and recover a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wonder if in the long term this could kind of be the moment that makes or breaks this Steelers season. It's a great question. In a year where we've already seemingly had four or five of those moments, the right. overtime loss to the Raven, the loss of Ben. All these different things. I mean, as you were talking about all the crazy things that have happened this year, I was thinking, boy, I thought last year was a crazy year. Right, you know, right. Rimble and just all the ways they found and the And the tie to the Browns and the Saints Who game. thought Boswell was going to fall apart and, you know, bend in Denver and the Raider madness mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I thought last year was a very odd year with almost everything that could go one way or another that went against the Steelers in that year, where the year before was kind of the opposite. But this year has just been hardship after hardship. And at some point, well, I think they've already been galvanized. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think like when we look back at Tomlin's tenure, and I'm telling my grandkids about Tomlin, I'm like, man, 2019 was a really weird year, and they still won eight games. Wow. You right. know, like that was something, you know. And then you'll look at his record and be like, boy, that looked like a down year. But yeah, but you don't know what happened that year, you know. And I do think they've been very galvanized since Ben went down and the defense, even last night. I mean, the defense, it wasn't their best game, but they didn't they didn't go into a shell. They fought. No. They played really well. They just didn't have six sacks and four turnovers. After, you know? the, after the first drive, they legitimately gave up seven points the rest of the game because yeah. that last touchdown was, was the short field result of the Mason turnover. Right. I mean, they essentially gave up seven points the rest of the game after the first drive. They played winning football. Yes. They just didn't happen to score and cause 100 big plays like usual. Um, So I do think, in a way, the locker room, the team, the franchise has already been galvanized. But I also wonder, too, it gets to a point where, and we saw this in the second half, you don't have enough good players to win football games anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, how long are these injuries going to be? Can Is Connor ever going to be healthy? I mean, he's really hard to count on, period. Um, So, but they should still beat the Bengals and some of the, I mean, the teams on the schedule are still really favorable. The Jets. Yeah, right, right. Well, you, you mentioned James Conner there. How do you feel about him going forward? The Steelers are going to have a tough decision to make with him this this offseason. See, I don't think it's a tough decision. I, I don't trust him. Um, I, the fumbling and the health problems to me are too great for me to invest a second contract in him. Um, I'm a big believer. I actually tweeted this last night, like, this whole running backs don't matter concept that it's know, insane. It's insane to me. And you think you know the Panthers are unhappy about drafting Christian McCaffrey? If you, if you, you know? take the page, I think that's just the Patriots' success is what makes everybody say that because the well, Patriots draft the one in the first round. But they, yeah, yeah, right. 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 Sony Michelle and James White, and they've had good running backs over the yeah. years. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think especially right for the teams with quarterbacks that are in the Mason Rudolph and the Baker Mayfield, the right, young right, right. quarterback. I mean, you saw how big it was for Dak to have Ezekiel Elliott to lean on early in his career. Absolutely. You saw how big it was for Russell Wilson to have Marshawn Lynch to lean on early in his career. Mm-hmm. And there's a million other examples that, that we could parse through here. I'm with you. I'm very pro running back in that or- argument. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, me too. I mean, if I have $100 to spend, I would spend a lot online and mm-hmm. so-so on running back. Don't get me wrong. But when you don't have one, you see what happens, first mm-hmm. of all. But all that being said, I'm not huge on second contract running back. You know, give the guy big money after his first deal Unless he's Elliott. You know, I mean, unless he's an elite player. How Todd Gurley looked. Right. And they did that a year early, which is really dumb. Mm-hmm. But I know Connor's not in that class. 
and he's already has injury medical history to begin with. And the availability of running backs, you can get a really good one in the second round uh, every year. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's a conversation at all. I mean, him, Juju, Watt, or all the, and Sutton. I'd rather spend money on Sutton. You know, let alone on Juju, and then Watts gonna be a year later because of his, you know, because the first the round, option. the extra right. year, yeah. So I think he's one contract and done here. One of the things that I took from last night, and again, a lot of moving parts, a lot of minutia, but just on the surface, I think the Browns now in this kind of new look Steelers team in this outstanding Steelers defense laid out the formula to beat the Steelers. You get a lead early. You secure the ball. You win the time of possession. You wait for your short field opportunity that has come mm-hmm. off of a Mason turnover or a James Conner turnover or a Juju turnover or whoever turnover, James Washington. Fub- I think that was the formula last night against the Steelers. You get the lead. Yeah. You secure the ball. You wait for your short field opportunity as opposed to giving the Steelers one. That's the third straight game the Browns haven't had a turnover. Yeah, that's huge because Mayfield's turned the ball over more than anyone. Since and and Chubb had a, had a fumbling problem yeah. too. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I do think they're a better team than they were earlier in the year, by the way, the Browns. They're, they're trending in the right direction on the football field. And the big part is, you know, Mason not – they're not – Baker not killing them. Um, I I agree with you in terms of the formula, but I think the formula is is more Steeler centric than opponent centric. In that, sure, what they're handcuffed with what they can they can only do. play one way. Yes, you know, and, and it's hard to win in the NFL only playing that way. No doubt, like the Peyton Manning led Broncos won the Super Bowl playing that way with a quarterback that had one foot in the grave but had a, still had a Hall of Fame head. You know, at least he knew. How to line everybody up and where to go to the football? You couldn't throw. You just don't do lose anything. this game for right. us. And an elite defense, but there aren't many occasions where you win 10, 12 games with that formula. Like like the Bears last year is a perfect example. Right, but then they fall off. But then they and can't like, keep it up. Like the Jaguars in two thousand seventeen, but then they fall off. Right, they have one good year where it works in a in a sixteen game schedule, and then the quarterbacks exposed, the offense exposed. Like I'm a big football outsiders fan, and. They've been doing it a long time. They have more than 20 years of data to, to, to back this up. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at teams year to year, offenses are much more predictive than defenses. If you're good on offense, there's a much better chance you'll be good next year. Hmm. Defense is a little more up and down. I'm not saying the Steeler D is going to fall off next year. We have no idea. Sure. But maybe they lose Bud and Hargrave, and it does. You know. But history shows – and it's a, it's a harder formula – and to replicate. To replicate. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons I give Harbaugh so much credit. Like, all those Flacco years, they had to win 13-9, dude. You know, Stop like it. <laughs> you had to have great special teams. No, Every bounce had to go your way. Yeah. You know, when you're in a close game. and Yeah, Justin, couple Justin Tucker miracles. the MVP, right? Yeah. Superstar. If they don't have the best kicker ever, they probably lose four games that they shouldn't have. You know, your, your quarterback's a liability. They had no offense. And Harbaugh still won a lot of games there. So that formula, no matter what, is tough. And it's the only way the Steelers can play right now, unfortunately. Yeah. It's almost like if they don't score on defense, they're not going to win. It's rough. It's rough. I mean, against the Bengals, it probably won't matter. Right. But But the Browns, I think, are an equal team. The Cardinals. The Buffalo Buffalo Bills. Right. All those teams are kind of on the same tier right now. Let's go back to the phone lines. Dez down in Texas has been waiting for a while. Thanks for hanging with us, Dez. What's happening? Dez Bryant. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? We're good, Dez. We're good. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I got a a quick question, more of an opinion. 
about what happened with the Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. First, uh, have, have y'all seen anything like this? Have y'all ever seen a third swing a helmet at a third before? Like, have, have y'all ever seen this before? No. Yeah, no. I, no I, like I said, I said at the beginning of the show that I remember there was that big brawl between the Miami Hurricanes and FIU like a dozen years ago where guys from both teams were swinging helmets, but that was college. I, I don't remember anything like that in the National Football League. Okay, all right. So I'm gonna get to my my opinion, and I'm just I guess I guess not that y'all opinion is more valuable to the guys I've been talking to. But I'm uh, first of all, I'm a big time Phillips fan. Get me out the way. But uh, one of my coworkers asked me how I feel about what happened, and my reaction was, "It's football." And he was like, "What? Like that's not football? Like you crazy? Like what are you talking about?" And I was trying to tell him that they like emotions get high, like people get get angry, like. I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's right, but I think it's football, like because balls happen every, every, a lot, like it's like frequently. Maybe not to the extent, maybe not to the extent where I'm gonna swing this helmet and hit you, but it's 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 tempers fly every time. Like the Baltimore and Cleveland game, the the cornerback was literally choking Odell Beckham. Like <laughs> it's, that's why I say it's football, and I want to know your comments on that, your opinion. I think it's a decent point, and a lot of me is with you on that. I mean, the helmet-to-helmet shots, they're football. Uh, a swing after the play, you know, a yeah. smack to the head or throwing somebody to the ground well past the whistle, hitting someone well out of bounds, cheap and dirty, that's football. Intentionally trying to injure somebody else there. with a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> you know? everything that happened up until that point, I would agree, was, was football. Football, right? Until guys go after guys after the whistle. Yes, guys try and choke guys. They try and get a, a, a shot in somebody. If he would have ripped his helmet off and threw it and in the threw stands, it, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, right, right. Not bashed him in the head with it. <laughs> Everything but the bashing in the head with the f- helmet was football to me. And I, I agree with your points, Des. That. Yeah, I mean, things escalate in sports. Guys do things that they Emotions regret. Are Emotions are high. Well, testosterone, I Particularly get it. Right. in rivalry games and primetime games. But, yeah, there there is a clear line of weaponizing anyway. equipment, whether it be, you <laughs> right. know, sticks in hockey, helmets in football, a, a bat in baseball. Right, right, right. right? If you went after no, someone with a, a baseball a, a pitcher, bat. A pitcher and a batter having fisticuffs on the mound after the pitcher tries to brush the batter inside is normal baseball. Right, or beating someone with a pitch. A, a, a batter running after the pitcher with his bat and, <laughs> and trying to him. swing it at him. Or like when Bryce Harper, I don't know if you guys remember, like two, three years ago, Bryce Harper, he took his helmet, when he was still with the Nationals, took his helmet off and threw or tried to, Kellen, he you threw remember, it, yeah. he, throw, he threw it at a pitcher. Like, that's where I draw the line. Yeah, this was worse than throwing your helmet, yes. though. There's a much oh, no better doubt. chance of landing it. No doubt. This is like hitting someone with a baseball bat. I just think there's there's that clear line there. And last night, it was it was within the realm of football for a while until it wasn't. It would be like if a hitter gets beaned, instead of dropping the bat, flips around and cracks a catcher over the head right. with it. <laughs> I mean, that would we'd be talking about that a lot today after. Which I'm pretty sure that's a scene in Major League. <laughs> <laughs> 412-919-1316 on Twitter, at Williamson NFL, at Wesley Euler. Uh, Matt Williamson, Wesley Euler in for Tunch and Wolf today. When we come back, we will wrap up. I can't think of an, a, a worse way to try to hurt someone on a football field. Like, that's the only weapon you could find. I mean, except for maybe. Cleat, but. Right. I mean, like, that's the worst way. I could, if, I, if my goal was to injure you as badly as yeah. I possibly could, that would be Helmet. my. That's what I would try to do. Yeah. It's a good point by you.
I think there's no doubt about that. Right, if you don't have a helmet on. <laughs> we'll wrap up with your reaction when we return. And also, the Steelers ain't playing this weekend, so what will we be watching? Matt and I will uh, take a look, too, at a, a juicy slate of NFL games this Sunday. All that when we return in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. It's been a weird year schedule-wise for the Steelers. Yeah, it has. Two Monday night games, a Thursday night game, the bye. I mean, it's felt almost like kind of like four bye weekends like from yeah. our standpoint when it comes to like a normal Steelers Sunday. You can watch the, the, you know, the Sunday slate without right? the Steelers on. And there was that – the weirdest part for me was the – the long, long week to talk for a Monday night Dolphins game. Mm -hmm. Like, that was like a desert. Like pulling hairs. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So the Steelers ain't playing this weekend, Matt. What do you got on the docket? My my schedule never changes no matter what. So it just depends you're, what you're I watch. You're popped in the Lazy Boy. And I'm in the Lazy Boy. I've got an iPad next to me that either has a game and red zone on in front. Okay. Or the other way around. Or Steelers in front, red zone here. Gotcha. So, Red Zone's always on the big TV, and then I pick some other game and monitor. I, I try to stay off Twitter because you end up just looking at Twitter instead of football. Right. I do the same thing. Right. Like I missed 10 plays because I got in a stupid Twitter conversation. Right. Because right. I lost you know, I lost myself for four minutes on Twitter. And, Wait, <laughs> right, what just right, happened? Right. But there's a good way to learn what else is going on around the league. Yeah. But I'd rather it's a fun, it's a delicate balance. It there is, of, and I'm not good at it, so I just stay <laughs> same, away from it. Same here. That's me. I can't during WVU games. I only check Twitter like at halftime, and that's it. Okay. Because yeah. I just, you know what I mean. Like I want to be locked in, and and part of my problem is I follow way too many people. Yes. yes. So that column just keeps going. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah. you're getting from Kansas City tweets and Eagles tweets right, and right, Cowboys right, tweets right, right. and, and so Bengals tweets. I need and, to thin that herd a little bit too. Yeah, we got a nice weekend plan. Yeah. A little backyard basketball tonight. Oh, yeah, you said at that. At the That's Peterson cool. Event Center. That's yeah, cool. wife and I heading down to Oakland tonight. If you see, if you looking for me, I'll be, you know, one of the 10,000 WVU fans that'll be in that place. Well, there'll be a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, so, I bet. So two years ago, because, you know, they alternate in, in basketball. Now that they're at a conference, they only play once a year, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like football. They alternate every year. And two years ago when it was in Oakland, I was still living in Philly at the time. We came back for that, and it was 70% WVU fans. Wow. Now, this that was still this was Kevin Stallings last year. So, I mean, pit basketball interest was right, at an all-time right, right, right. low. So, I don't think it'll be that bad this year. But I hope it's a nice showing from the Mountaineers. It used to be a great recruiting tool when I was at Pitt because the Pete was new. I mean, that, oh, at that point. And it used to rock. And it used to rock. I remember going to WVU games, you know, back in 03, 04, 05. Was that about the time you were talking about? 02, 03, yeah, 04, right, right. 05, 06. In that neighborhood. Uh, and, and, like, because my mom and I would never, you know, my mom went to WVU. We'd never miss a backyard brawl if it was football if it was basketball if it was in pittsburgh if yeah, it was in yeah, morgantown yeah. we were there and i remember going to some of those games and feeling like we've got no because Pitt would go be up by 15 points in the first half and the student section would be rocking and the Pete would wow, be rocking yeah. and i'd be like man we got no and shot a fun here. team and yeah. yeah i mean i used to take a recruit go through the service entrance like goodfellas basically <laughs> <laughs> go through like the the bowels of the Pete, stroll through the locker room you know let them let them just sort of see things walk across the middle center court 
go sit in the front row with this, you know, with some sixteen-year-old defensive end or whatever. Like as a nice recruiting tool, and then oh. then the game was a blast. Without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah. So we got we got a bunch of non-football stuff planned. We got the the Pitt WVU game, the WVU Pitt game tonight, and then we're going on tomorrow night. Symph- Pittsburgh Symphony's doing a, an entire Beatles show. Oh, that'd be the awesome. music of the Beatles. So wow. we got we got ourselves some plans. But Sunday, I bet that's sold out. I was saying yeah. the wife and I would love that. Just, yeah, that'd well, be fun. I'll, I'll keep you in mind. They I'm do not this. a symphony guy. I know you are, mm-hmm. but I respect the heck out of it. And Beatles will be able to. Back in April, they did uh, an entire Queen show. I saw a symphonic really Zeppelin cool. that it was awesome. At, at Pittsburgh or elsewhere? Yeah, a long time ago. 2015. Maybe yeah, maybe because I, I was at that one. I was okay, at that yeah. one too. Yeah, that's really up my Never miss a Led Zeppelin thing. <laughs> yeah, um, but Sunday. Texans at Ravens, a juicy yeah, one a at, at one o'clock. One. How you feeling about that? Ravens favored by four. Yeah, I think they're two of the better teams. I think they're the two of the four or five most fun quarterbacks to watch. And I know this isn't what you asked me, but I do have a little bit of concern in today's NFL with Rudolph's style of play versus Watson, Lamar, Wilson, Mahomes who are the best players at the position right now, mm-hmm. is the game changing so much that you really need an athlete there? Like, mm. even watching last night, like, I thought the Steelers' pass rush wasn't bad, and I don't even consider Mayfield a great athlete, but he did a great job breaking contain, especially rolling to his right, he's extending mobile. plays, the best he's looked doing that all year. And if Mason could have even done that, is the game different? If it had been... Kyler Murray running around like crazy last night. Do you at least have a chance? You know what I mean? Like when the going gets tough, you can always scamper for 20. Right. <laughs> or right. spend the play to seven seconds and you can't even scamper cover. Scamper for seven. Yeah. And, you know, someone can't cover Johnny Holton anymore even, you know. So I do worry about the style of quarterback, and those two are so much fun to watch. That's going to be a great, great game. And that's what I'll be watching at 1 o'clock. And then after that, Patriots at Eagles, a little uh, Super Bowl rematch from two years ago. Matt, the Eagles were a team that you and I were both high on out in yeah. training camp. I picked them to go to the NFC Championship game. I think I you picked them to go to the, Super, to go to the yeah. Super Bowl. Can they get back on track with New England coming to Lincoln Financial I Field? I feel like they've turned a corner. But that's going to be a test. You know, Belichick, two weeks to prepare, coming yeah. off a bye. Coming off a loss, too, coming where he's been loss. able to scream at his team for right. the last two weeks. Absolutely. I mean, I'll take the Patriots in that one, but I'm real curious to watch it. It wouldn't shock me if the Eagles pulled the upset. You know, they're they're trending in the right direction. I think so, too. And they're starting to get a little little bit healthier, get some, right. get some reinforcements back. Pass rush is what it used to be and but things like that. There's some there's some good, some intri- some intriguing games this, this Sunday Absolutely. to cleanse your football palate. Let's go back to the phone lines here before we wrap things up. Dave down in Florida has been hanging on for a while. Thanks, Dave. What's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, man. I've I seen a lot of uh, times where players have tugged on the face masks and pulled the helmets off of people and threw the helmet. And, you know, that's football. But what – what Garrett did, he crossed the line, and the NFL needs to come down hard on him for that. Yeah, I think they, I think, I think they the, will, Dave, because just the optics of last night, right, being the only game of the day, being it's, it's gets talked about all day today. I think that'll kind of maybe hold the NFL's feet to the fire a little bit in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I hope they do. And uh, I wanted to ask you guys one question: What did you think of that? Double pass interference call. I thought that was. Oh, that's a good question, Dave. (laughs) I've never seen that before. I haven't either, 
But I thought both of them committed a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> you know no, I, mean? I didn't. I didn't hate the call. Honestly. I didn't hate the I call just either. Never seen it before. I kind of <laughs> forgot about that. Like when he brought it up, I was like, "Boy, we've, I've thought about so many other things that game. I forgot about that. That was definitely an odd play in an odd game. But I thought the offensive player committed pass interference and the defensive player committed pass interference. Yeah. So. Cancel it, do it again. Sometimes it's that simple, right? Yeah, right. And maybe that, logic didn't prove a rare moment that logic prevailed there for the NFL. Right, maybe that's something we should see more instead of it's only one of two guys' fault. Maybe right. we just do it again. It's not a bad idea. Now, Kellen, am I getting this correctly? We have another Dave in Florida. Correct? That is right, yes. All oh, right, smoke. so we'll go back to back here with the Daves in Florida. What's happening, Dave number two? Do we have Dave number two? Hello. Hey, what's up, Dave? There I'm in Michigan. Oh, okay. Michigan. Uh, Sorry about that. Game this weekend. <laughs> what you got for us, Dave? On Saturday. Yeah, Michigan, absolutely. Michigan State. Always a big okay. one. Okay. Anyway, what I what I was calling about is my concern about these con- concussions. And these guys started off the game well, into the game, viciously hitting our our receivers. You know, these young kids—they're not going to. They're going to get their bell rung only so many times, and they're going to say, hey, I, you know, I don't really want to do this anymore. And, you know, that Demarius Randall guy, that was a vicious, cowardly hate crime, I think. And, you know, to, to get called on it for uh, unnecessary roughness, come on, unnecessary? It's worse than unnecessary. You know, the helmet being on your head is a, is a, is a weapon. They're knocking the guys' uh, heads around, and you know, I just, I just think they, they should do something. At least, just minimum is, hey, you get 15 yards from where that point of uh, hmm. attack was, and hmm. and you know, you that's not a drop pass. That's you get a you you get 15 yards beyond that. So yeah. Anyway, I, I'm just it obviously caused the drop. Yeah, right. I don't think right. That's football. Yeah, that's, no, it's, that's over the top. It's a good call, Dave. And I think, too, it's, that's why you saw it's so rare in the NFL. You see it in college all the time. Guys get ejected for that kind of thing. Right. But we actually saw it in the NFL. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I thought it warranted an ejection. But I was surprised when they actually kicked him out. Because like, you just I don't see that yeah. in NFL games very often. I'm with you. I thought it warranted an ejection. You rarely see it. I think it is kind of a good point, though, that it, let's say that pass was exactly 15 yards. You don't lose anything on the field if you blast a guy and he doesn't haul it in, which he probably won't. If he hauls it in, then you get plus fifteen. But maybe it should be from the point of the hmm. file. Foul, yeah. You know what I mean? Because I like that. It doesn't. If it's a crucial fourth quarter play, you get up fifteen yards anyways. Right, right, right. You know that it might not kill you that. But if it's forty yards downfield and I'll take the fine and destroy this guy and cause a concussion, it only cost me fifteen on you know third and twenty. <laughs> it might be worth it. Um, one more note, though, from Dave not in Florida. Is, <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd be talking about the helmet-to-helmet thing way more if it wasn't for the Garrett thing. You know, like, I yes. think it'd be a – that would oh, be we would have come in here today uh, and we talked about Juju and Deontay and the right. ejection. Yeah, that would have probably been, along with the ineptitude of the offense, those would have been the topics to the sure. headlines. Yeah. Right, the, the, the helmets-to-helmets. Were, were the Browns dirty last night? And – I don't think they were dirty. We talked about that earlier. I thought they were aggressive and deserved fouls, but that would have been a much bigger topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's, it certainly would have been. All right, as we wrap up the show here, our last caller of the day, the man who needs no introduction from Chicago, from Steeler Nation Chicago, we got CR on the line. What's happening, CR? 
Hey, what's going on, man? Chicago. He's got his own theme. Matt, he's always got his own theme music going. Oh, nice. I love it. CR, we got about two minutes here, baby, so run with it. Okay, hey, Dale, I, uh, I appreciate you on, on, on the drive, too, man. You give me some real good information. Oh, cool. Uh, Glad you listen. I'm, I'm very disappointed. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I listen to you every day. Uh, I just want to say I'm very disappointed in the game, the loss. Uh, I have some keys. I gave the keys to the Wild Wild West yesterday, and none of my keys were, were f- fulfilled. They got off to a slow start. And as far as the, uh, the, the incident at the end, if the Steelers wouldn't have got off to that slow start, then I don't think the end results would have came about. And the Browns were aggressive. Like you said, this was their Super Bowl because they haven't beat them in, in, in quite a while. So they were very, very uh, um, uh, pumped up and ready for them to go. Yeah, CR, what do you think? If you are, uh, you know, if you're Roger Goodell, if you're judge, jury, and executioner here, uh, what punishment are you handing out to Miles Garrett? Are you handing out any to Marquise Pouncey or Ogan Joby as well? Well, well, Pouncey was was kicking and hitting, but he wasn't kicking and hitting anything. (laughs) (laughs) His aim wasn't so great. You're right. Right. As far as the punishment, yeah, I think he should, should be gone for the rest of the year because that, that was egregious. And somebody said uh, one of the shows I listened to, because I got a chance to talk to Charlie back last night as well. Anyway, um, when he hit him with that helmet, if he would have hit him uh, in a different angle or something, yeah. I mean, who knows, if he upside the temple, I mean, anything could have happened. It wasn't premeditated, but but it was um, uh, worthy enough to, uh, to, to let him go for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I, I'm with you, CR. I think... <laughs> Miles Garrett should be thanking his lucky stars because he could have connected. Right. He could have connected any other area on the helmet would have been much worse than that padded area, and the optics could have been even worse. Oh right, I mean uh, Mason got very lucky, and yeah, I Mason guess Garrett too. Did yeah, too. right. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean that could have been a thousand times worse, and it was really really bad. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to Tunch and Wolf for letting us sit in. Thanks to everybody who tweeted and called in. We really appreciate it. To our guy Kellen for producing. Uh, Matt, you will be on the drive today, four to six, with Dale Lolly. Absolutely, and you're also joining Stan Saverin at one twenty. At one twenty, usual Friday spot. Yeah, so plenty Much of, to discuss. Plenty of, of opportunity to hear Matt. He does a great job. You can find him on Twitter at Williamson NFL. For those of you maybe unfamiliar with me, you can find me on Twitter at Wesley Euler, and I do a show on SNR from noon to two with Arthur Motes. That'll do it for us today. Matt, we'll talk to you later. I will talk to Yins next week. Enjoy the weekend, all right? Breathe a little bit. Enjoy the weekend. And we'll talk to you next week, as always, on ESPN Pittsburgh and your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.